This is News To Go, your daily news podcast featuring news from various news outlets, heard via our Anchor podcast app and playing on iRadio daily until mid-afternoon. Now the news. With Esra News, I'm Patrick Foss. The number of people sent fleeing Ukraine by Russia's invasion topped one million on Wednesday, the swiftest refugee exodus this century. Meanwhile, President Biden says Vladimir Putin stands alone after Russia's invasion. Putin is now isolated from the world more than ever and will continue to aid Ukrainian people as they defend their country and help ease their suffering in the process. When history of this era is written, Ukraine will have left Russia weaker and the rest of the world stronger. Biden says Putin gambled and lost. He thought the West and NATO wouldn't respond. He thought they could divide us at home, but he was wrong. Russian forces laid siege to two strategic Ukrainian seaports on Wednesday. Also at SRNews.com, President Biden meets with his cabinet Thursday as he tries to reboot his domestic agenda. The president, vice president, and cabinet secretaries are stepping up travel across the country following Mr. Biden's State of the Union speech. After some day trips yesterday, the president and his team will meet in the West Wing to discuss strategy. One goal is to pass certain components of the president's agenda. Another is to limit Democratic losses in the upcoming midterm elections. White House correspondent Greg Cluxton. West Virginia Senator Joe Manchin is pouring cold water on President Biden's plan to revive the Build Back Better bill. The president used a good deal of his State of the Union address seeking to repackage core components of his massive social and climate spending bill that was rejected by the Senate last year. One of its most influential critics was Democrat Joe Manchin. He says he still doesn't buy the president's claim the proposals would lower costs for most Americans. Manchin says, I've never found out that you can lower costs by spending more. Democrats are expected to repackage elements of Build Back Better in smaller bills this year in hopes of gaining more bipartisan support. Bob Agnew reporting. This is SRA News. About half of all abortions in this country are now carried out by the use of drugs. This is a very ominous development because the pills are obviously more difficult to track and to control than the kind of surgical abortion that requires a clinic or some kind of hospital or medical facility. Southern Baptist leader Dr. Albert Moeller. It shows the double-edged sword of every technology. A technology that can save lives can also be used to end lives. He says more in his daily briefing at albertmoeller.com. Officials in Texas have released data showing a marked drop in abortions at clinics in the state in the first month under the nation's strongest pro-life law. Nearly 2,200 abortions were reported by Texas clinics in September, a 60% drop from the month before. Meanwhile, the number of Texas women who are going online to get abortion pills by mail has sharply increased since the law took effect. This is SRN News. The moon is about to get a new man-made feature. Our home planet's closest satellite is about to get walloped by a three-ton piece of space junk, a spent rocket that will slam into the far side of the moon at 5,800 miles per hour, leaving a crater large enough to accommodate several semi-trailers. The grand slam is expected on Friday, but since it will happen away from telescopic eyes, could take months to confirm the impact. Correspondent Rich Thomas and Tiger Woods hasn't played in a PGA Tour event for more than a year while recovering from injuries suffered in a car wreck. Despite that, he's won the Tour's inaugural player impact program bonus. The program measures a player's popularity based on a set of criteria. 
Woods receives the $8 million top prize. This is the first departure that the tour has from rewarding good play to rewarding social media or popularity presence. One of the metrics for deciding the prize is a golfer's popularity in Google searches. This is Ezra News. It's severe weather season and news source One Michiana is here to keep you informed in 2022 of the latest storm forecasts and watches. When weather strikes, tune to our Facebook group. Be safe, Michiana. Detailed forecast for news source One Michiana. Thursday partly sunny, with a high near 34. North wind around 10 miles per hour. Thursday night partly cloudy, with a low round 23. North wind around 5 miles per hour becoming calm. Friday partly sunny, with a high near 44. Southeast wind 5 to 10 miles per hour. Friday night mostly cloudy, with a low round 35. Southeast wind around 10 miles per hour, with gusts as high as 20 miles per hour. Saturday mostly cloudy, with a high near 65. Saturday night showers and possibly a thunderstorm. Low round 52. Chance of precipitation is 90%. Sunday a 30% chance of showers before 1 p.m. Partly sunny, with a high near 60. Breezy. D&M Resale Shop locates at 915 Baldwin Street Unit 1 in Elkhart is your unique store that is just like a garage sale. But inside a store, great items for you and your home. It's a store of love run by a local pastor. D&M Resale is open Tuesday through Fridays 11 a.m. to 4 p.m. and Saturdays 10 a.m. to 2 p.m. For more information, call 219 220. That's D&M Resale Shop in the City with a Heart. Welcome to 2022 Talks, where we're following our democracy in historic times. That is not a war, it's a genocide and destruction and killing of people, because it is. They realize that they cannot get it easy, that people don't want to be with them, they want to be free. Indiana Republican Representative Victoria Spartz, the first Ukrainian-born member of Congress, pleaded for a stronger U.S. response to the crisis in Ukraine. Secretary of State Antony Blinken said Russian forces have invaded the country's second-largest city and are targeting civilians. Russian strikes are hitting schools, hospitals, residences. They're destroying critical infrastructure, which supplies millions of people across Ukraine with drinking water, with electricity. Ukraine's state emergency service said Wednesday more than 2,000 civilians have been killed since Russia invaded February 24th. Attacks on civilian areas have increased in the last 48 hours, but experts say the casualty number is unverifiable. The United Nations General Assembly overwhelmingly voted Wednesday to reprimand Russia for invading Ukraine and demanded Moscow stop fighting and withdraw its military forces, an action aimed to diplomatically isolate Russia at the world body. U.S. Ambassador to the UN, Linda Thomas-Greenfield. We stand together in holding Russia accountable for its violations of international law and to address the horrific human rights and humanitarian crisis unfolding before our eyes.
More than 874,000 Ukrainian refugees have arrived in neighboring countries since Russia launched its invasion, according to the UN Refugee Agency. Global oil prices are surging, with markets bracing for disruptions to crude supplies from Russia. The global benchmark topped $113 a barrel Wednesday, just days after breaching the triple-digit mark for the first time in seven years. Federal Reserve Chair Jerome Powell testified before the House Financial Services Committee. He said, despite inflation, he expects to raise interest rates by a quarter of a percent later this month and noted the effect the Great Resignation is having on wages. An unprecedented number of workers are quitting to take new jobs and wages are rising at their fastest pace in many years. House Speaker Nancy Pelosi held an enrollment ceremony Thursday for legislation which would amend federal law to end forced arbitration in sexual assault and harassment claims. This landmark legislation will put an end to that shameful practice by voiding agreements that currently silence more than 60 million workers. The bill next heads to President Biden's desk. I'm Nadia Ramlagan for Pacifica Network and Public News Service. Find our eight trust indicators to support transparency and accuracy at publicnewsservice.org. Looking for just that neat item? Can't find it anywhere at the big stores? Well, drop by B4 Retail Discount Store located at 23440 US 33 in Dunlap South of Elkhart. They have items at reduced prices. Hey, they're on Facebook too. Open Monday through Friday 10 a.m. to 6 p.m. and weekends 9 a.m. to 6 p.m. That's B4 Retail Shop here in Dunlap. For the Daily Yonder and Public News Service, this is the news from rural America. Mergers have eliminated thousands of locally owned banks since the deregulation era of the 1980s. Now, federal regulators are reviewing those policies. Texas Rural and Community Development Attorney Basil Musharbish says the consolidation has hurt small communities. You sort of see a flurry of increased competition at first, but then you have the folks with the largest amount of capital or the folks who are already large starting to eat up the folks who are smaller in order to grow bigger. Musharbish says that means less access to credit and a less wealthy community. He wants rural stakeholders to get involved, and he's collecting first-hand experiences for his own official comments to influence regulators' decision-making. More than a third of U.S. counties are without a locally owned bank. Access to legal aid will soon be available to those living in Montana's tribal communities who often face hurdles to legal assistance. The Tribal Advocate Incubator Project is looking for volunteers to represent tribal members in civil court cases. We want to train local people in each tribe so that they can represent in their own community. Valerie Fallstown is the Tribal Advocacy Coordinator for the Montana Legal Services Association. They're partnering with the University of Montana Law School and the Indian Law Section of the State Bar to train people who aren't attorneys by profession. Tribal lay advocates will represent tribal members in tribal court regarding civil legal matters, including divorce and custody, landlord-tenant disputes, wills and probate, real estate, and land issues. Pandemic or not, Americans value the outdoors, parks, trails, hunting, and fishing. A bipartisan effort by Minnesota lawmakers aims to restore outdoor recreation funding that was budgeted 20 years ago and siphoned off for other purposes. Former State Senator Bob Lassard is advocating for the spirit of the law. There should be no tinkering with the money, because once you start going down that path, I can tell you, you're opening Pandora's box. 
Lassard helped create the original law and is pushing for new legislation to restore funding. In the lower 48, spring is in the air, but in Alaska, it's the 50th running of the fabled Iditarod dog sled race. CEO Rob Urbach says the Iditarod is a tough sport. There are 816 humans that have finished the Iditarod, so just put it in perspective, it's a pretty small group of people. But Urbach says the real athletes are the dogs, who consume 10 to 20,000 calories each day to maintain average speeds of 8 to 12 miles an hour. Every dog is checked by a veterinary crew at every checkpoint, so there's certainly a lot of focus on exemplary dog care. For the Yonder Report and Public News Service, I'm Roz Brown. For more rural stories, visit dailyyonder.com. From Feature Story News in London, I'm Ollie Barrett. The mayor of the Ukrainian port city of Kherson says it has been seized by Russian forces. There have been large explosions in the capital, Kiev, sustained shelling in Mariupol and an aerial assault of the second largest city, Kharkiv. Moscow correspondent Julia Chapman says Russian troops are advancing in parts of the country. They do certainly seem to be making inroads, at least in the south of Ukraine, on the Black Sea coast. This claim that Russia took control of Kherson actually came about yesterday, but local authorities were insistent that that wasn't the case. This morning, it appears that it is now under Russian control. Uh, The mayor of the city said that Russian troops are now in the streets that had entered the main administrative building, and he did call on civilians not to uh, go outside during daylight hours. The International Criminal Court is opening an investigation into allegations of war crimes committed by Russia in Ukraine. The move comes after 39 ICC members formally referred reports of atrocities to the court in The Hague. Iris Spitzer reports. ICC prosecutor Karim Khan said work would begin immediately with his team already collecting evidence. Ukraine has accused Russian forces of war crimes for their alleged attacks on civilians. The court will look into allegations of war crimes, crimes against humanity or genocide committed in Ukraine since 2013 and during Russia's current invasion of the country. Khan said his office had already found a reasonable basis to believe crimes had been committed and had identified potential cases that would be admissible. Iris Fetzer, San Francisco. Taipei and other major cities in Taiwan have reported widespread power failures. It comes after a reported accident at a power plant. India's most populous state, Uttar Pradesh, is voting to elect local representatives to the state assembly. Nearly 680 candidates are vying for a total of 57 seats in an election that's being called a referendum on Prime Minister Narendra Modi's popularity. Ishan Gurg reports from New Delhi. Uttar Pradesh elects the largest contingent of politicians to India's parliament and therefore the assembly elections are a barometer of the popularity of the various political parties. Winning it could ensure a third term for Prime Minister Narendra Modi. It can also catapult the state's polarizing chief Yogi Adityanath from national fame. His hardline conservative agenda has made him popular among the state's majority Hindu voter base. He's headed the state since 2017 and is already being touted as Mr. Modi's natural political successor. Winning these elections could put him at the top of that race. But if the regional parties win, it will signal the rise of a strong opposition that can rival the BJP in the general elections in two years' time. Ishan Gerg, New Delhi. From bureaus worldwide, this is FSN. The People's Convoy is now rolling eastward to Washington, D.C. from California. 
It will come through Indianapolis in two groups on Interstate 70. The first group between March 1st through the 3rd and the second Midwest group on March 5th and 6th. Stay tuned to our Facebook group for the latest. This is News Source 1 Michiana, Elkhart South Bend. D&M Resale Shop locates at 915 Baldwin Street Unit 1 in Elkhart is your unique store that is just like a garage sale, but inside a store. Great items for you and your home. It's a store of love run by a local pastor. D&M Resale is open Tuesday through Fridays 11 a.m. to 4 p.m. and Saturdays 10 a.m. to 2 p.m. For more information, call 219-229-1220. That's D&M Resale Shop in the City with a Heart. So let's be real for a minute. Have you ever wondered why the bad guys seem to win so much in this world? On Sunday, we confess this is our father's world. But does the cynic in you ever start screaming during the week how futile it is to play by his rules? Have you ever just gotten green with envy over how good some folks seem to have it? Hi, I'm Pastor Joel of Harp City Church and we're sampling the Psalms, and today we've reached Psalm 73. In this Psalm, Asaph, the writer, he admits up front he has a problem with the world he's seeing. He writes in verse 3, I envied the arrogant when I saw the prosperity of the wicked. He then goes on to document in some detail how the rich and arrogant have seemingly no problems in this life. Unlike the rest of mankind, they strut about, they're living it up, they're healthy, enjoying the good things, and they happily take advantage of others, giving zero thought to God. Asaph says, This is what the wicked are like, always free of care. They go on amassing wealth. And by verse 13, I think he must be as green as the Hulk when he says, Surely in vain I have kept my heart pure and have washed my hands in innocence. All day long I've been afflicted, and every morning brings new punishments. But at this very moment, this moment of greatest envy and feeling sorry for himself, he does two things. First, he gets outside himself. He steps out of his isolation. Listen to verse 15 where he says, If I had spoken out like that, I would have betrayed your children. He suddenly realizes there are public ramifications to his personal resentment. He realizes that if he opens his mouth here, his actions could affect God's children, the community of believers. His envy, his response to resentment, will only push others to doubt and despair. And the second thing he does, he enters God's sanctuary, the place where God meets with his people. And it is there that he discerns, discerns the end of the wicked. This discernment is the wisdom of God. How God's plans and purposes are far greater than you and I can take in in a moment of time we're in. It is as if Asaph says, stupid me. They're there, the rich, 
perched on a greased ice ball. And any moment, they're going to slip from their high place and be no more. And when I was green with envy, he confesses, I was becoming like a beast. Friends, the remedy to our envy is to come out of our isolation and into the presence of God, remembering his people as well. It is there that we suddenly find we're more blessed. We're blessed beyond all we could ever ask for or imagine. Now, here's a couple verses that you can put in your pocket today and pull out. Verses 25 and 26, Asaph says, Whom have I in heaven but you? And earth has nothing I desire besides you. My flesh and my heart may fail, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. This is a great passage. I think it's impossible to capture the euphoria that Asaph has discovered here in God's presence. Dane Ortland comes close when he writes on it like this. With God, you are invincible. Nothing can touch you. Your greatest enjoyment, God, can never be taken away from you. In heaven, God is all you want and need. On earth, God is all you want and need. In death or life, in sickness or in health, even as your body wastes away towards the grave, God is all you want and need. My friend, the path from envy to true happiness is found in communion with God. God is our remedy for envy. And the wicked will be snuffed out. Why? Because they're far from God. But you can say, as Asaph does at the end, as for me, it is good to be near God. I have made the sovereign Lord my refuge. I will tell of all your deeds. And we see here that when you've been cured of envy, you will want to go out and share that remedy with others. Invite them to discover the privilege they have of finding everlasting riches, the everlasting riches of our great God in the highest heaven. My friend, remember who you are and who you belong to. Today's episode is sponsored by Data IQ. Good morning. Welcome to Axios Today. It's Thursday, March 3rd. I'm Nyla Boudou. Today, our one big thing, the Texas crackdown on care for trans youth. But first, the Ukrainians killed in Putin's war. As we enter the second week of Russia's invasion of Ukraine, we're just starting to understand the human cost of this war. Axis' Zach Basu has been tracking civilian deaths, and he's here with us. Zach, what do we know so far about how many civilians have been reported killed? I mean, the situation is changing so fast on the ground. But what we know is that Ukraine's state emergency service said for the first time yesterday that more than 2,000 Ukrainian civilians have died so far. The UN has put the official number far lower at about 500 civilian deaths, but they've cautioned uh, that it's likely to rise a lot more. The people who are paying attention to this are seeing so many different sources. How do you think people should be approaching thinking about this? I mean, while there's one clear aggressor in the war, and that's Russia, you have to remember that both sides have uh, an agenda and a certain narrative that they want to paint. For example, the Ukrainians have said that they've killed 5,000 Russian soldiers. Russia said for the first time, first time they've acknowledged the real death toll yesterday, that 500 Russian soldiers have died. So it's a vast gap between those two figures. So what I would recommend is, is relying on figures from the United Nations, which may be a bit delayed. But those are definitely the reliable, most reliable ones that you can get. And unfortunately, 
we're just going to continue to see these numbers grow. Oh, absolutely. I mean, we've seen some Russian siege tactics against cities like Kharkiv uh, in the Northeast that U.S. officials have said might start to spread to other cities, including Kiev, as the Russians' goals of, you know, swiftly taking these cities and taking control of the entire country have failed. They may start to resort to, to targeting even more civilian infrastructure and really engaging in a sort of terror campaign. Actually, this is Zach Basu. Thanks, Zach. Thank you. In 15 seconds, we'll be back with how gender-affirming care for trans teens is under attack in Texas. Without you, it's just data. Data IQ is the only platform that connects data and doers through everyday AI. Visit dataiq.com to learn more. That's D-A-T-A-I-K-U.com. Welcome back to Axios Today. I'm Nyla Boodoo. Texas Governor Greg Abbott last week ordered state agencies to treat gender-affirming care for trans young people as child abuse and for parents of these young people to be investigated. This follows a legal opinion from Attorney General Ken Paxson. Many parents, doctors, and advocates are speaking out against what they say is a dangerous move, and yesterday a Texas judge issued a temporary halt to the order. It's the latest in a string of political efforts in Texas and other states to limit the rights of trans Americans. President Biden addressed this in his State of the Union speech Tuesday night. The onslaught of state laws targeting transgender Americans and their families. It's simply wrong. I said last year, especially to our younger transgender Americans, I'll always have your back as your president so you can be yourself and reach your God-given potential. Orion Rimmler is a reporter for the news outlet The 19th and a longtime friend of the podcast, and he's here to help us understand what's going on with all of this. Welcome back, Orion. Hey, Nyla. It's so great to be back with you all. Thank you. Thanks for being here. When we say gender-affirming care, what exactly are we talking about? Sure. So that means uh, hormone therapy like estrogen, testosterone. It also means puberty-suppressing blockers. That's largely considered a reversible treatment, and that's treatment that's taken by the child to stave off the puberty after they express that this is causing them severe mental discomfort to be going through that after they talk with a physician, mental health person to say this is gender dysphoria. With Paxson's order and with Abbott's green light of it. They're also referencing surgery for minors, but trans minors don't typically go through with surgery. So there's kind of a misinterpretation between what politicians are describing here and the care that's actually given. How often are children taking hormone suppressing or puberty blocking medication? So that is what's most widely recommended uh, by WPATH, and that's the, the gold standard for transgender care. They issue the guidelines to healthcare providers for this care. So that's the most common treatment that's given, and surgeries are not nearly as common. But the kind of surgery that politicians have been r- rallying against are genital surgeries, and those do not happen for minors. How is the medical community reacting to what's happening in Texas? 
the American Academy of Pediatrics and the Texas Pediatric Society, they came out in strong opposition to Texas Attorney General Paxton's declaration. The gender-affirming care for kids, the hormones of puberty-suppressing blockers is not controversial. The American Medical Association endorses it. The American Academy of Pediatrics endorses it as well. And so is it clear with this order what exactly would constitute child abuse? Is that parents who bring children in for this type of care? Is that therapists or doctors who are providing this kind of medical care? Abbott is calling on the Child State Welfare Agency to investigate parents who are seeking that gender-affirming care for children. And the governor is also saying that state agencies need to investigate licensed medical facilities that are prescribing this treatment, saying that doctors, nurses, and teachers should be reporting instances of this happening. Is that already happening now in Texas? Uh, Yes. So the Texas Department of Family and Protective Services, that's the agency that Texas Governor Abbott is directing this towards. They told us after we sent in a records request that as of last Friday, they've gotten three reports alleging child abuse. An employee at this agency is actually the, the plaintiff who is saying, I came under investigation from my own agency because my child is trans. What are you hearing about whether this effort in Texas is having ripple effects beyond the state? Texas is unique because this is the governor and the attorney general saying, we want this care to go away through us declaring it so without the state legislator getting involved. But we are seeing across the country more Republican legislators who are pushing bills to get rid of this care. How significant is it for young people if they don't have access to this care? Studies have shown that having access to this care lowers suicide ideation and depression and anxiety, which is high for trans youth. I mean, there's one 14-year-old trans kid in Arizona who I talked to for a story recently. The way he described this to me is, you know, after he got his care. He was able to focus in school because it alleviated his gender dysphoria. Like he felt confident. He felt like he could be himself. And I know that's a simple way to put it, but for these kids, it's really like care that allows them to exist um, without like feeling this pressing anxiety that can really affect their day-to-day life. And it can really ease that anxiety for a lot of kids. Orion Rumler is a reporter for The 19th. Orion, thanks as always for coming on. Thank you so much, Nyla. One last story before we go today. The cost of babysitting is outpacing even inflation. The average hourly rate went up 11% last year, according to the website Urban Sitter. The national average hourly rate for babysitting is $20.57 for one child. And apparently, vaccinated sitters get even higher wages. That's it for us today. You can always text me your feedback and story ideas. I'm at 202-918-4893. I'm Nyla Boodoo. Thanks for listening. Stay safe, and we'll see you back here tomorrow morning.
Data IQ is the only AI platform that connects data and doers through everyday AI. Data IQ customers turn complex data into tangible results, fueling use cases from the mundane to the moonshot. Because it's only data until you make it a business strategy or challenge an entire industry. Without you, it's just data. Visit dataiq.com to learn more. That's D-A-T-A-I-K-U.com. This is News Source 1 Michiana, Elkhart South Bend, 2023-2024.